This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being, being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. Grief and sadness from the loss of the family unit, certainly. But perhaps more underneath that. Perhaps there's unprocessed grief and sadness from before you even met your ex-partner. Projection and blaming may be an unconscious attempt to avoid feeling pain and grief that is waiting in our bodies to be processed. A fight is something we can do. Whereas just being with the crushing grief of a lost future with the child you love and the partner you loved, and probably still do, is probably something you'd prefer to avoid. But the pain and the grief can't be as bad as the running away, and all the disruption and damage that entails. There is no escaping the pain and grief, only a choice to begin processing it or deferring it, and thereby curing interest on it. Parents and children must grieve for their lost worlds before they can heal. The greatest thing a parent can do for their child at this time is demonstrate how to accept and process grief and sadness. A healthy relationship with sadness is an important life skill that mature and responsible adults can teach their children. Sadness, after all, is coming into all our lives sooner or later. Valeria Telles interviews Zach Fine, a psychotherapist and speaker. Zach Fine is a specialist in men's issues. He supports fathers through the trauma of losing contact with their children against their wishes and came to this work through his own experience of estranged fatherhood which included mental and financial breakdown and a stressful court case in which he represented himself. This darkness and grief cracked open something in Zach that called him to service. He found his path as an underworld guide, supporting fathers living in a toxic trap of fear, anger, rage, and grief in what can only feel like a silent void when these emotions are not understood or accepted in the family court system or wider culture. Zach created the ceasefire method to integrate concepts from neuroscience, family systems, and war to support men as they try to settle their nervous systems, understand and manage their trauma responses, explore the relational dynamics at play with their ex-partners, think strategically, and be the best fathers they can be for their children. Zach is an advocate for the nascent field of male psychology, which acknowledges valuable and complementary differences between masculine and feminine archetypes, or deep biological programs that have been ignored or rejected by much of the therapy professions. His vision is to promote healing and understanding between the sexes for the benefit of future generations, because children who are damaged by family conflict often grow up to act out their traumas in the world. There is nothing as dangerous as a powerless young man, and to this end, Zach is training to become a mentor for young men caught up in the criminal justice system. Meet Zach at zachfine.co.uk. 
Here is the interview with Zach Fine. In your own words, who is Zach Fine? Good question. Uh, I'm a man. I'm 37. I'm a father. I am a brother, a son, a grandson, and I'm a being, and I'm a soul on a journey. Yeah, I, I also happen to be working as a therapist, a psychotherapist. It all seems to be the same thing at the moment for me. It doesn't feel like there's much separation between any of it. In fact, the further I go, the more the same thing it feels like. So being a, a father and a son and a therapist, for example, feels like the same thing sometimes. What is to be a man from your perspective? Like, What is the concept you have as of today? And how do you define masculinity? So for me, and this has been a real journey for me, where I am now, for me, masculinity is about uh, growing into maturity uh, and accessing joy and, I guess, kingly qualities. I'm, I'm thinking a lot about that there's a sort of neo-Jungian um, perspective on masculinity, which I've really taken to in the last couple of years. And so there's... In, in that way of thinking about it, there's, I don't want to go too far into this, but very quickly, there's uh, four quadrants. One is the king, one is the magician, one is the lover, and the other one is the warrior. And growing up, I really identified a lot with the warrior. So that's the, I, I guess, anger is the access, the sort of gateway emotion to that. Uh, it's all to do with strength and power. And I didn't have a, a very three-dimensional understanding of what masculinity was until I started going deeper and deeper into this. And I realized that actually for a long time in my life, I'd been living quite shut down without much access to my heart, you know, the love piece. And of course, you can't, you can't become a balanced, mature man until you start working with all of these pieces. Um, and, you know, the magician is another one that I, I can identify easily with the magician and the warrior, but maybe not so much with the lover. Uh, but it's, it's different for everyone. But I guess my idea of masculinity now, as I'm working more and more with it, is this idea of, of balance and integration. And really, we don't have, we don't know what it looks like when a man is really in his power. Because uh, we just don't see it much. I love this idea, this vision of balance in whatever way, being a woman, a man, being in a world. What would that look like, Zach? Do you have some ideas? Could you describe what a balanced man would look like in this modern world? <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, I could use the idea of a king. You know, you can have a tyrant king who is jealous of his power and wants to crush um, any potential rivals. If you think of King Herod in the Bible story, you know, he, he gets all newborn males slaughtered because he hears of Jesus being born. So that's one extreme. And I guess if you think of the king as a sort of apex of all these integrated energies, I don't want to get too technical, but it's a useful way of thinking about it. The king is all about 
blessing his kingdom. So all the creatures and people and beings in his kingdom, he he wants to bless, and he's he's almost channeling joy. He's it's not power over; it's it's empowering his 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 flock, his people. So if you think what what would that look like in today today's world? It's a man who inspires. He's he's a leader. It's about leadership. I think I, it comes back to leadership. It's not about being. It's not necessarily about equality, but it's it's about a way of using power that that is generative. So he's 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 you know a successful king in the old you know in the olden days would have bestowed fertility on his kingdom. So it was a sign to the people that he was a good king if they if there were bountiful crops and the people were happy and it's it's a sort of almost a cosmological state of grace that you can think about getting into and it it doesn't really matter what that is i think it could be a very humble life for a family man on the one hand or it could be a ceo who's really looking after his his people and his clients and his environment and so on you know what do you think is the purpose of the human experience? Why are we here? So my own personal experience and understanding of that is that it, it feels to me as though I'm here to make sense of suffering, my own suffering, and turn it into something that it, it's, the same, it's the same thing as enlightenment. It's, it, it's, it's almost the same process is going into the dark to see to transform and then emerge into light but you do need to go for me I've understood my journey so far as very much being feeling grateful for being for those times that I've been in the darkness and I've felt lost and you know maybe despairing and actually there's there's nothing wasted so I'm, I'm coming more and more to this place of feeling just so grateful mm-hmm. yeah. for all the lessons. What are some of the misconceptions we have about healing, Zach? I think, so maybe just before I get right onto that, I think for me it was a really helpful reframing. A friend of mine wrote a book about, it's called The Snake in the Clinic, and it, it really helped me shift my perspective on human illness and disease and suffering. Because it, going right back to ancient Greece, you know, we, for a long time, and we, you know, allopathic medicine has forgotten this, but holistic practitioners haven't, which is great. But we don't, there isn't really a problem with death or feeling ill or having a disease or having an injury. You know, this is, this is what it means to be alive. And actually, we our bodies give us messages all the time if we just if we stay open and curious. And I've I'm I'm so grateful for that perspective because <laughs> I notice every time I get something, I've got a I've got a slight pain in my left knee at the moment, and I sit I sit um, cross legged when I'm working, and normally that's completely fine. But this week it's just been really hurting, and I'm. I'm just wondering what what it's about. Like, why is it my left knee? What what was it about the moment that I got that injury? You know, because I, I I'm not sure if there's just totally random occurrences. I think 
we we put ourselves in situations uh, and it's a constant feedback loop of consciousness. So so to get back to your question, what what are the misconceptions of healing? I think maybe for me, one of them is, oh, you've got you've got a pain in your knee. Take this tablet and that's a solution and then forget about it and go and do something else. I think, no, what about opening to it and sitting with the pain and maybe sitting through the pain or, you know, just welcoming the message from, I did it recently or last year with a bad back. I I sort of consciously tried to welcome the sensations from my my back, which might sound a bit mad, but but it really, uh, it changed the whole quality of, of, of that few days it, it it was very different to just you know being ill it, it was much more than that then yeah and it is about feeling the feelings i love when you say this past something that you say in one of the articles you sent me said on your website says there is no escaping the pain and grief so you clearly say that there's nowhere to go because it's here now and it, it is to be experienced in a not pushed way. And we often do that naturally. It, it comes with the, um, let's say, it's almost like that, the fear mechanism or the body, being in the body then requires that protection mechanism. So whatever f- doesn't feel right, we will naturally push away. But then transcending that, Zach, is that something that it takes depth of spirituality, of uh, self-awareness and those deeper realizations? Or can we learn any of this without spirituality? That's what I wonder. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think we can all do some breath work. It takes <laughs> no time. Do two, three minutes of breathing and, you know, you, you, can, you can start to regulate your own nervous system and really... This is just pure biology. If if you're an you know a complete atheist and you're not interested in spirituality, that's fine. You can still access. We you know we're very complicated, beautiful bio computers who who have this. A lot of us walk around because, like as we were talking about before before this conversation, we both had quite hectic days, and you know, we get overstimulated and our nervous systems get activated and we just get stuck in this kind of churn so easily. It happens to me all the time and I have to keep remembering, let's just like, let's just do some box breathing, you know, six seconds in, hold it, six seconds, six seconds out, hold it, do that for two minutes. And then that's kind of like the entry level thing. And then if you want to go deeper and deeper, you can do meditation and you can sit there for without moving for an hour or more and it's transformative because that changes it changes your heart rate it changes your nervous system state and it changes your brain waves and you can you can almost move out of this little box in this little specific time and place that you feel trapped in and you can go back into the kind of infinite space and we can all just we can do that whenever we want it's just really hard to remember sometimes what do you love most about being in a human body you know i was i don't know what what it was but since i i got back from a trip and i'd been camping and sleeping in my car and yeah roughing it for quite a while just just last weekend and and i had this run of 
about four nights just sleeping in a normal bed again and I had the most incredible epic dreams all night and I kept coming in and out and just (laughs) going back in and uh, it carried on last night as well and I I just there's there's something about being in a human body that seems so so contained and so what's the word I'm looking for so contingent on everything right here and now but then it's such a paradox because (laughs) because as soon as we go to sleep we can just go off traveling in this we don't know what we've got no idea what we're doing I mean we really know nothing about ourselves in, in some respect so I guess that for me is is part of the magic that I'm I'm sitting with all the time I'm just I'm going into these spaces in my sleep and in meditation and in you know in the ocean I go in the ocean a lot surfing and, and walking in nature and I just it's the mystery I suppose that's the the word is the mystery of what it is to be in this dimension in this body and yet this is clearly not the only thing that's going on you are a psychotherapist why did you choose to become a psychotherapist Zach? well I it, it kind of happened to me gradually I was a journalist in London and and then I moved into PR and I really didn't enjoy PR I found it really not good for me um, I I was having to be something that felt fake and um, that was one of the reasons I, there were other reasons but that was one of the key reasons why I I had a breakdown I I I had no insight into what was happening to me, but I went to my doctor and I said, you know, I'm waking up every night covered in sweat. My bed's just completely drenched in sweat. And I I wake up before dawn completely dreading the day. And yeah, I don't know what, I don't know why. And, and he just, he said, well, you know, you're, you're very ill. We need to help you. So he, he prescribed me some antidepressants and the course of talking therapy. And then I got into tennis. Ten- <laughs> I've never really been into tennis, but he just said, go and do something uh, that is physical and with with some other people. And I was so grateful for that because it was, it was really simple. It was just doing those three things. Within a, about six months, I was, I came out and I stabilized. I sort of came out of this state of constant anxiety and uh what's the word i'm looking for just yeah i can't get the word but hypervigilance i suppose is the word just uh, just this uncontrollable cycle of negative thinking where i was doubting everything all my decisions you know if i made a decision i would think ah that's the wrong decision i should have done the other thing so then the next decision was already muddled because i wasn't present so it was just these classic kind of cognitive uh, impairments that you get with basically having your system on high alert for chronic periods of time. So that was my first. That was my first really wake up to, call to the fact that this is a this is a thing. You know, I'd had a before that. I'd I'd had a partner who had really been struggling with similar things, and I just hadn't had I hadn't understood what she was going through. So anyway, I, as is quite common, when I recovered, I felt like I wanted to go into that space in somehow and help people because I, I knew what they were going through in a way. 
So I started working with the Samaritans as a volunteer, and it's uh, it's an organization that just takes calls all 24 hours a day from people who are feeling suicidal. Uh, I don't know if lovely is the right word, but it was an amazing two and a half years, and that was just on the side. You know, I it wasn't my real job, but I was just doing it out of it just felt so meaningful. It was so much more meaningful than any job I'd ever done. And I just, in the end, I just wanted to find a way of doing it more and getting paid for it. So then I, I began training. So you work with grief and healing of separated fathers. And you also have created the method called Ceasefire. So talk to me about the connection between the methods um, what do you do, uh, the method, and why grief, why to work with grief and healing of separated fathers? That has to do with your own story too, right? Yeah, sure. So again, this is just me, I guess, responding to my own life experiences and turning them into something that makes sense or finding a way of, you know, creating value out of that. So yeah, I, I suppose it's like I said at the beginning. <laughs> at the beginning, it's all it's all connected. I, I try and make it. I try and make it short. But I had a really acute period of emotional trauma and pain um, a few years ago. I, uh, me and my partner separated, and that wasn't a surprise. You know, we we talked about it, and, sh and she left, and she took our child away with her, which was that's what I was expecting so that was painful but it was it was okay and then I was expecting to set, settle into a routine of contact with my child and it didn't happen it the the routine contact just didn't happen it, it became the situation became very fraught and mistrustful and tox toxic and we we got stuck in this conflict which uh we couldn't we couldn't get out of none of the tactics that i was using helped so at the time i didn't have much insight so i just doubled down and escalated things so we went to family court and it escalated again and she spent a lot of money on blocking basically it doesn't matter what the, the details or the content is it's it's very it's very depressingly common but But basically, there wasn't an exchange. There wasn't a positive, productive exchange of like, how can we fix this? It was more about yeah, just blocking and trying to uh, trying to power overpower the other side in different ways. And so we wasted we wasted a lot of time and energy. And uh, you know, our child obviously lost out um, because we were stressed, and all of that was. It was, I mean, from my perspective, my experience was I thought that I might not see, I thought my relationship with my son was under threat. So coming, yeah, your question was about grief and the methods and the ceasefire method. So, yeah, I guess my, me walking through that, it, it felt like an initiation, really. I, I was, it, it was, it was like, I was represent, rep, representing myself in court, and it felt like if I got it wrong, then I was going to pay the ultimate price. You know, I was going to lose my son. 
and it felt like that could could have happened you know thankfully it's all okay now and everyone's getting along and there's been a little bit of healing starting to come in and i i'm sure that's going to continue i feel really positive but my my main insight was that there's this kind of rational logical way of talking about a legal fight which you have to do in this country anyway and at the same time there's this massive soul trauma and biological response to you know if you take a child away from a parent that parent is not going to be able to relax until that situation is rectified but if 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 everything that that parent is doing to rectify the situation isn't working then then it's like this kind of prolonged ruptured attachment which it's actually an impossible way to exist it's 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 life negating it doesn't even i think it it's it kind it it will kill you if you don't get out of that eventually you know i've seen men who who have physically you know one guy i worked with had um bell's palsy on his face like one side of his face was basically not working another guy was going blind and he was told by his doctor that that was because of chronic stress he had been fighting for 12 years in court to see his son there's other guys that have crohn's disease brought on by this many guys just kill themselves i mean i saw a statistic that sh- showed that i'm not sure if it's verified but it it said a third of male suicides were men who ha- had some who had an account with the child maintenance agency which is which is the you know it's the it's the agency in this country and in, in the uk that takes your you call it alimony don't you if you if you're ordered by a court to pay a certain amount of money so there's there's a real connection here with it's a day uh, it's, it's a very dangerous space to be in when when you've you've got this ruptured attachment you've got this extreme grief but but at the same time the child isn't dead you can't actually grieve the passing of that child the child is still alive and he may be living around the corner where do you put that how do you how do you live that's the question that i was left with and no one that i spoke to in the court system had had much insight into that even that there might be a good reason why men were acting uh emotionally if you because if you act emotionally in court you're automatically branded unstable by the magistrate or the judge and um in some in some cases every judge is different so in some cases not but generally what you have to try and do is be completely in command of yourself and very calm and almost just like you're in a business meeting you know and that's it's like i can't it's really difficult to describe how difficult doing that is it's really hard so where i i started the ceasefire method with a group of guys and i was really just I had a hunch that if I had been given certain pieces of information and, and certain perspectives and a therapeutic space when I had been going through it, I probably would have saved myself time and money and my ex time and money and both of us a lot of stress and heartache. And, you know, the wider family network starts to break down when, when the hostility gets really bad and the, there's acrimony you know, there's those wider familial links that start to break down because people can't 
keep bridging both sides. So that's so that's a tragedy for the child. So my my intention, my real aim was how can I get get to these guys in in time and it's not like I can wave a magic wand and completely fix everything but the first thing is to stop making it worse and you can do that as a as a father you can just you don't you can't control what your ex is doing that's fine but you can control everything that you're putting into that dynamic and the first thing is just understanding what it is what what the dynamic is what is the conflict dynamic like what's keeping it going and what is your part in that and what can you change do you somehow integrate psychotherapy in spirituality i think for me i've been on an increasingly spiritual path accelerated really accelerated by this big fracture big cracking open that i experienced when my relationship broke down i was i was actually wandering around israel i couldn't i couldn't bear to come into my house that day after they left after my ex and my child left so i quickly ran in and grabbed a bag and my passport and i got on a plane i don't know why but i got on a plane to israel and i was wandering <laughs> wandering around there for a couple of weeks and i just had this very deep beginning of an a sense of an initiation into something which is hard to put words around but that's been deepening and deepening and deepening through certain individuals have been coming into my life and and then it's almost it, it I've just learned now to completely trust this process and just surrender to it but it's it's something I wouldn't necessarily have really believe understood or been able to appreciate if if you had told me this, you know, a few years ago, I would have thought, yeah, I don't know. Um, but, but that's just my personal journey. And I think that that just comes through in any work you do. If you're, if, if you do feel like you have a relationship with the divine or the source or whatever you want to call it, then that will just come out. That will emanate in your relationships and in your work, whatever work you do, it doesn't make any difference. So I think for me, yeah, it's just, it's a natural integration. It's not, it's not something I, I go on about to my clients unless they're in that space. And then it just, it falls in naturally. It just, it's so easeful. It doesn't, it doesn't need to be pushed. And actually what I found in the last uh, ceasefire method group of guys is that we went really spiritual, very, very soulful stuff. A few of them were they were Christians, but the other ones were just, it didn't, it just felt all the same kind of thing. We were really enjoying that. We were very, um, what's the word? It felt trans, very transcendental at times or something. I don't know if that's quite the right word, but I was blown away. I was really kind of loving it. Yeah, that's beautiful to hear. Communities, uh, men coming together. Women, we do that naturally. But men too, right, Zach? You tend to come together and support one another. I have seen that with my husband and um, in his past, how many men helped him. And he talks about them highly. As you talk about so many men in your life. And you have this beautiful blog post that you sent me. It's called A Thank You to the Men in My Life on International Men's Day. 
Mm. So um, I thought I think you mentioned you want to read. I'd love for you to read um, a passage on that blog. But before that, I do have a question for you about self love. Do you talk about self love? With your clients and self, not self self acceptance, which has to do with self love, but self love, not self care necessarily. Yeah, I really, I really do. You know, often this work comes back to our inner child, and I've actually got a, a picture of myself when I was three, just on my, um, just on on a set of drawers, just to the side of me as I'm talking to you, and. For me, that was getting in touch with that little boy was so transformative for me, really connecting with him in different ways. You know, I found an old toy, I uh, found this old wooden snake, snake that I used to have. And yeah, d- doing different practices to remember that we, I'm carrying him around. He's inside me and I'm, I'm parenting him now. I, he's okay. I just need to reassure him. And, you know, if if my clients are in are ready for that kind of uh, work, it it's such a relief to remember that we're okay. We made it, you know. Uh, our little children made it, but they they might not realize, you know. They might still be scared, and so yeah. There's I I see with everyone. Everyone's got a way of getting in touch with that child, and some of my clients might be artists who just can't they don't feel like they can work at the moment and they're all shut down and it's it's to do with trying to stay safe and not opening up and it's different for everyone but that yeah the self-love piece is always for me around remembering that you know you were born as this perfect baby this like amazing thing and that's you that's still you we we can become so hardened and and jaded can't we forget that i have a few more questions for you zach but before i ask them please read a passage or even the entire blog post that you have written (laughs) maybe i'll read the whole thing so yeah like you said i i wrote this i published it um on international men's day a thank you to the men in my life growing into manhood is confusing and a little sketchy don't you think? At 37, living without my children and in a second career as a psychotherapist, it feels like there has been no shortage of pain in my life. But writing this has reminded me of the abundance of support we have around us at all times, if only we remember to notice. Despite my frequently unwise and dangerous behavior as a youth, older men consistently had my back with a guiding hand, a voice of reason and a lot of love. I'd like to say thank you to a few of them, because on November the 19th, it's International Men's Day, a day to celebrate men's contributions to our lives. Thank you to Roger Mansfield, the former British surfing champion, for teaching me to surf when you were going out with my mum. It changed my life. I was 10. You even did a video recording of me surfing to show me my technique. Thank you to my best friend's dad, John Conway, rest in peace, the man credited for bringing the World Surfing Tour to Newquay and founder of Wavelength Surfing Magazine. Thanks for taking me seriously when I didn't take myself seriously, giving me advice about drugs, saying it's always a trade-off 
what you gain in one way, you lose in another. And being so good-natured about our horrible drunken behavior in your house. Thank you to the judge who stood up for me when I was 14. I'd been skateboarding down Falmouth Moor Hill on my Sector 9 skateboard when a traffic warden shouted, ran at me and fell, hurting her knee. She sued for damages in Truro Crown Court and I was petrified. But you told her, you put yourself in Zach's way. Skateboarding is not a crime. Your attitude gave me a lifelong faith in our legal system, imperfect as it is. Thank you to my father for maintaining a loving presence in my life and prioritizing good relations with my mother, even after having your heart broken when you lost regular contact with me from the age of four. Thank you for being steady and still supporting me in so many ways, especially in understanding business, but also for your unstinting belief in me as someone innately good and with something to offer the world, even when, at times, my confidence and self-worth has been very low. Thank you to the male school teachers who saw through my cockiness and pressed the deputy head not to expel me after I committed an idiotic act of vandalism in the library. Thank you to the officer who dealt with me at Falmouth Police Station. I was 17, drunk and stoned, and decided to drive to a beach party. I took my mum's car without permission or a license. I got halfway, thought better of it, and turned back, then crashed into a hedge. You held just the right tension between a reprimanding authority figure and a compassionate elder. I went to university a week later and started a new life. Unplanned. Thank you to my Uncle Steve and my granddad for always being there as I grew up just around the corner. You showed me how to fish badly, bet on horses and stay up late to watch boxing matches, none of which I found interesting. But it didn't matter. You made me feel like I belonged. Thank you to all the men who patiently endured my incompetence, unreliability and self-absorption in the jobs I had as a teen. I was so self-conscious, anxious and or stoned that I struggled a lot. But you were always kind to me. I'm remembering the gentle South African handyman at the Falmouth Hotel. You were in your 70s. You took me under your wing and told me stories about your life on the road, which inspired me to travel through Latin America for a year. Thank you to my sister's partners for welcoming me into their lives, cooking for me and encouraging me as I broke up with girlfriends, got too drunk, behaved selfishly and made my way in London in my 20s. There was a place to crash at your houses and I knew, I knew that you got me in a way that my sisters couldn't. Thank you to the men who trusted me more than I trusted myself by giving me responsibility when I began my career in newspapers. I was so nervous. I'd go between overwhelm and cockiness, but you held me steady so I could provide for my daughter. Thank you to Ray. Rest in peace, Ray. You were kind and supportive, even though aged 24, I got your daughter pregnant and left her. You made a permanent difference to the relationship I have with my daughter. Thank you for my grandpa, rest in peace, who died on October 17, 2020, age 93, for your confidence in me and for making me laugh. Thank you to SN Goenka, rest in peace, who taught me how to meditate, and to Chadvara, rest in peace, who founded the Samaritans, which changed my life. Thank you to the GP, he told me I was depressed, 
and what to do about it. And thank you to Kevin, my counseling teacher, who encouraged me to explore masculinity and called me out on my mean behavior. Thank you to the man I saw removing the mud and moss out of the crevices between the pavement and the curb on my road. To the men who collect my rubbish every Monday morning in all weather and, and the men who keep my water and electricity working. Thank you to the men who built the building I live in and the car I drive, the phone and laptop I use, the wetsuit I wear and the surfboards I ride. Mm, that was that was hard. Wow. <laughs> yeah. You got me emotional. <laughs> um, thank you for being a healer which is he who heals himself. So thank you. And my last question is, what is another word for healing? Expanding. Expanding. I love that word. <laughs> thank you so much for your presence, for sharing you and the wisdom, this timeless wisdom that flows through you work you do and um ah, and everything else in between thank you thank you so much for having me on appreciate it and before we say goodbye where can we find more information about you your services products and future projects yeah you can go to zachfine.co.uk uh that's my name is spelled z-a-c-f-i-n-e zachfine.co.uk yeah you'll see everything on there about what I do and I'm interested in new projects but I'm so busy at the moment I'm I'm just uh, working on the next intake for ceasefire but um, I do also work with people individually as well so um, yeah you can you can reach me through my website if you want sessions I work on zoom yeah wonderful I'll have the link of your website on your podcast profile thank you so much again Zach and we'll thank talk you soon. bye for now bye Thank you for listening. To learn more about Zach Fine and his work, please visit zachfine.co.uk. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org/podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now.